Welcome to the Manuscript Academy podcast, brought to you by a writer and an agent who both believe that education is key. The beauty is the people you meet along the way, and that community makes all the difference. Here at the Manuscript Academy, you can learn the skills, make the connections, and have access to experts all from home. I'm Julie Kingsley. And I'm Jessica Sinsheimer. Put down your pens, pause your word counts, and enjoy. I would like to welcome today Kelly Van Sant. She's an agent at Red Sofa Literary, and we are so pleased to have you here today for 10 queries in 10 minutes. Thank you so much for having me. Kelly, you always sound so good. We were just talking about how we want you to do audiobooks, and I really hope that happens someday. I would love that. I should look into it because it's like my secret passion is to someday narrate audiobooks. <laughs> I, I was thought you were going to say secret power. And I'm like, yes, you could absolutely make bad guys go to sleep with your voice. It'd be fantastic. That too. That too. My secret superpower is actually reading very fast. That's a good one. Yeah, that is a good one. Absolutely. All right. Are you ready? So Kelly's going to go into her inbox at a random date. She is going to describe what she sees there. So you get a little bit of a window into what it is like as an agent reads through your submissions. So right now I have 193 unread queries. The only reason that it is only 193, I think, is because I was closed to queries for a couple months uh, and just only recently opened back up. So let's open this up. And the first thing I notice about this query is that they got my name right, which is huge. A lot of people get my name wrong, I think because it's Van Sant and it's two words. And so people are not sure what to capitalize and not sure, you know, if my last name is Sant, I get a lot of like, dear Miss Sant. But this person has my name right, Kelly Van Sant. That's great. This is a pretty short query, even without reading it so far, just at a glance, it's only um, two pages paragraphs. Um, if I was kind of ballparking it, I would guess it's probably 170 words, which is a little bit on the short side. Um, you know, queries are short anyway. And I think on average, most are probably 350 words and 350 words isn't a lot in and of itself. So I think if you're going shorter than that, you might be giving yourself a short shrift by not kind of using your word count to your best advantage. So it looks a little bit short, but that could be fine if it's really effective. It's a genre that I don't typically represent, but um, I do have exceptions and the query does note the exceptions. So I know that this is a person who has read my submission guidelines and is aware of the specific types of books that I'm looking for within this genre. So that's really great. That shows me that this person did their research, that they, you know, are making sure that this is the kind of query that I want to see, which is also really nice because sometimes I get things in my inbox that are definitely not uh, for me. So it's nice to know that this person did their research. Beyond that, I think ultimately the short length of this query is a little bit of a disadvantage when I'm reading through it. I don't get a clear sense of the plot and what the book is really about. It talks a little bit about some of the themes that the book wants to explore, but it doesn't really tell me anything about characters or the story itself. And queries like this that kind of explore thematic content more so than the actual nuts and bolts of the story itself. I kind of, in my head, I call these um, 
book report queries, right? Because they're kind of talking about the larger themes of a book, but themes can be applied to anything and thematic content is valuable and really important, but only when it's overlaid or woven into a story that I can really connect with. So this would probably be a pass for me on this particular query. I do ask for the first chapter of every uh, project to be pasted into the body of the email. And um, I used to be at a point where I was reading those excerpts every single time. And now I'm kind of at a point where um, if the query is intriguing to me, I'll go on and read a little bit more. And if it's not, then I kind of won't because my time is a little bit limited. And a query, in order to get me to read more, doesn't have to be perfect. It can be flawed. There can be things wrong with it, but there has to be something that kind of hooks me and I'll kind of go and skip below and read some of the writing. On this one, I probably would not do that. Um, Again, just because I don't have enough of a sense of who and what this book is actually about. So that is query number one. Let's go to the next one. Okay. This project is a completely different genre. This is children's fiction. And let's see, right up front, the authors let me know that they have been previously published under a different name, which is really great because that's great information for me to have that can really help me look at the query with new eyes. You know, a lot of times authors will put their biographical information at the end of a query, which I think is usually the right move. But if you have something like I've been previously published with this published house or, you know, some other important information like that. Um, I do think it can be helpful to put it at the top of the query the way that these co-authors did. So that's great. It looks like they were previously agented as well and their agent is no longer representing them. So they're seeking a new agent. This query actually has a really great voice, which I think is a little bit tricky to do. Voice is like one of the most complicated things anyway, right? Like it's really hard to nail a good voice in writing. And I think it's also really hard to translate that voice into your query um, without, you know, sounding gimmicky, but making it sound enticing. And this query is actually really doing that. There's kind of like a, kind of a sassy, sarcastic tone to it that isn't over the top and doesn't feel gimmicky. It just, it's just interesting and exciting. And it seems like it makes sense for the type of story that the query is talking about. So it goes well, it's showcasing the story well. Oh, that's disappointing. I was actually really excited. I scrolled to the bottom because I wanted to read a little bit of this excerpt because I asked for that first chapter and they didn't include it. I was actually really looking forward to reading that. And so this looks like somebody who did not necessarily read my submission guidelines because they didn't include that thing that I looked for. I have a system for my queries where I usually know most of the time if I'm going to reject or request something right away on the first read. Sometimes there's something about a query that's interesting to me and I'm not ready to make a decision right away. And so I start and I move it into a specific folder in my inbox and I come back to it later. Um, And I'm going to star this one and move it into that folder uh, and go back and kind of read the query again and see if the query is enough that I'd like to request pages. Um, despite the fact that I wasn't able to kind of read a writing sample. So I will star that 
and move that over. That's really rare. I would say that I... I certainly star more projects than I end up requesting. A lot of times when I star something like that, I go back and I pass on it, but I don't do it very often. So I'm actually kind of surprised that I I got one like that uh, right away. Okay, next query. This person has my name right. That's great. So this person put their word count in, which is really great. And it is an appropriate word count for the genre. That's another thing that I see a lot where I get these like wildly inappropriate word counts. Like I have been queried, you know, middle grade projects that are upwards of 200,000 words, which is just way, 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 way too many for a middle grade. Um, so that's good. You know, this person's included their word count and it's appropriate for the genre and category they're writing for. So that tells me, again... This person has done some research. They know, um, you know, a little bit about the genre that they're writing in, which everyone should. So that's a really great sign. When I look at this query, it looks like it's a good length. I've scrolled down and they have included everything that I've requested. So that's wonderful. This is a pretty interesting query, but this is a problem that I see in queries sometimes where people are writing genre fiction and they are trying to communicate a lot of their world building and it doesn't necessarily transfer in a query. So this particular query has a lot of um, what I call capital letter world building. So there's a bunch of things that are capitalized, you know, but it's like the river or the government or the whatever. It's just kind of generic nouns that are capitalized to give them importance in the world building. And that could be a shortcut, um, you know, to try to convey information and the actual manuscript world building could be significantly different, or it, it could be this kind of capital letter world building that I'm seeing in the manuscript itself. It's hard in a query to walk that fine line of introducing the world that you've created and not getting lost in the minutia of it. And I think, unfortunately, this query that I'm looking at right now can't see the forest for the trees in terms of its world building. It's giving me a lot of details, uh, but they're not coming together into a cohesive picture. And I'm getting more details about the world and less about the characters and the plot. Um, And so when you have world building details, but you can't ground them to anything. I can't relate them to a character or a story. They're just kind of hanging out there. Uh, And that makes it harder for someone like me to want to request pages because at the end of the day, I'm always going to look at characters first and story second. And then, you know, if you've created a wonderful world, that's great. But world building doesn't carry a story in my opinion. So um, this would probably be a pass for me. Let me see what we have next. All right. So again, this person's got my name right. They have included everything that I've requested. That's really great. I can also see if I skip down to the bottom in their personalized section where they personalize the query to me. Um, I can see that they've done some research. They mentioned some details, um, some interviews I've given, some things on my website that let me know that um, they know a little bit about me and what I like. So that's really great. Again, this query is kind of on the short side. Um, I only have 
three paragraphs. One is one sentence and one is um, a paragraph with the details about the title and the genre and the word count. Um, and so there's only one paragraph telling me about the story itself and the characters. And that paragraph is one, two, three, four, only five sentences long. So I don't really have a lot of details here. However, there are some interesting things in the few sentences that I do have that do intrigue me a little bit. So I'm going to go ahead and scroll down and take a look at the writing sample. It opens with a really, really long quote from another property. And, um, this might come from, you know, my, my former life as a contracts manager and working in licensing and things, but quotes and permissions and all that stuff, this kind of immediately gives me a little bit of some hesitation because I, I happen to know I can see forward into the future. And if I were to represent this person and acquire this book and, you know, sell it to a publishing house, like the permissions process of trying to get this quote approved is not going to happen. You know, so that is interesting. A lot of times quotes, song lyrics, things like that, especially for debut writers, those things can be really costly and really expensive. And I would leave them out if you can in the beginning and maybe add them back in later on if you're willing to pay the permissions fees. But anyway, that's a whole separate legal thing. But I noticed it, so I'll comment on it. This opens with a prologue. I'm not usually the biggest fan of prologues. I worry sometimes that prologues are often misused to insert backstory that the author can't figure out how to give us organically. Obviously, that's not always the case. There are some amazing, really functional, really integral prologues in some great books. So I don't mean to make a blanket statement that way, but I will say that when I get queries in my inbox and I see a prologue, that's kind of another thing that makes me think, okay, is this prologue really necessary or is this author trying to spoon feed me information that they can't figure out how to get me otherwise? And then when I go down to the chapter below the proper opening chapter, reading a little bit, it is opening in the middle of a really intense action scene. It's first person. I'm not really sure who's speaking. I don't really have any details or um, understanding of what's going on. Um, and the voice itself um, is good. The writing on a structural level is strong, but I think that you know, within the first couple of paragraphs, I still don't have a clear understanding of what's happening. And so um, after getting this far in, unfortunately, I think I would probably pass on this one. All right, here we have another one. This is a good length. Uh, the word count looks appropriate. Um, there is no personalization on that one, but that's fine. I would always rather have people just be straightforward and professional rather than try to fake something personal if they don't have anything to say. It can come off as kind of awkward otherwise. This is a retelling of another mythic story and the source material doesn't really interest me, unfortunately. So um, I'm going to pass just based on that. Okay, here is another query. I can tell just by looking at this that this person has not read my submission guidelines. Um, my name is wrong. 
it's a genre I don't represent and they did not include a writing sample, which is something that I request. So in this case, this is going to be an automatic pass too. I don't represent the genre. This person obviously didn't uh, research me at all. So this is just going to be an automatic pass. Here is another query. This is a good length for a query. The word count for the novel looks good. There are some comp titles here. This is the first one I've opened that uses comp titles. The comp titles are old. Um, one of them is really old and the other one is probably not within the last five years. So comp titles are tricky. I know some people love them. Um, I don't need them. I think good comp titles are really excellent and poorly chosen comp titles uh, do more harm than, than anything else. Um, and so in this case, I would say these are really old comp titles and they're not the best way to showcase this particular query. And also beyond that, it sounds a little bit like some stories that I've read before. Uh, it doesn't look like I see anything really fresh in here. Uh, so I'd probably pass on this one as well. Okay. So I see this sometimes with um, people who write for young adults or for children, uh, where there is kind of a disconnect between the intended audience and the material. So this is a young adult project, but to me, the writing and the query and kind of the tone of it makes me think that this writer doesn't really understand the young adult audience or um, doesn't really understand the category. The way that they write is kind of distanced, um, a little bit dismissive. It makes me feel like this person doesn't really read YA um, and doesn't really, hasn't necessarily written the book um, with their audience in mind. Uh, and I do see that sometimes with people who are querying projects for children or young adults and it's unfortunate. And so I think for me, this would be a pass for that reason. This query looks pretty interesting just off the top, just kind of looking at it. It is written um, in a really straightforward way. It doesn't have that um, infusion of voice, kind of like that query I was discussing earlier that did a really great job of um, infusing the voice into the query. This is written in a really straightforward, matter-of-fact kind of a way, just kind of the facts, boom, boom, boom. But those facts are interesting enough that I would scroll down and, and read a little bit more of this and kind of depending on what the writing is like, uh, make a decision about whether or not to request. And that's kind of what I mean when I talk about queries. A query's only job really is to get an agent to read more. Is this the best written query I've ever read in my life? No, but gets me the story, which is the important thing that a query has to do. And the story is interesting enough to me that I want to read. So a query, I don't want people to think that a query has to be flawless, you know, in order for you to want to read more. Um, this query is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not flawed in any way, but it's just kind of, you know, it is what it is. Um, but it's telling a really great story. And at the end of the day, that's what really matters. So I would probably start this one to come back and read uh, the first chapter in with more attention because this looks really interesting.
Okay, last query. This, there's nothing outright blatantly abusive in this query, which um, agents do often get outright abusive (laughs) things in their inbox. Unfortunately, the worst part about email is that you don't know what it's going to say until you open it up. And so sometimes we do get queries that are blatantly racist or sexist or, uh, you know, ableist or fat phobic or what have you. Um, And it's really always horrible when that happens. This query is not quite that blatant. Um, But I can tell that this book was not written by a person who respects women um, or people in general. There's just immediately some details and some character descriptions here that um, that are just not uh, appropriate. And so um, this would be a pass. It's definitely not the worst thing that I've ever seen, but I can tell that this is not the kind of writing that I would want to spend any time with. So pass on that. Thank you, Kelly. I have a few follow-up questions if you're sure. Yeah. Okay. So one thing I really liked that you said twice actually is that a query doesn't have to be perfect. It has to tell a good story. Can you talk a little about that? Yeah. (laughs) You know, I think that's really true. I think, um, we stress a lot about queries and, um, you know, I have talked at length about how to write a great query. And and I do believe that it is important to do your research and to, you know, write a query well, because a lot of times, um, you know, the query is what is going to get someone's attention. And so you obviously want it to be as strong as possible. But, you know, I've read great queries that have then led me to disappointing manuscripts. And I've read mediocre kind of ho-hum queries that um, have led me to incredible, incredible projects. And so really, I think if you have to boil it down, the number one most important thing that a query has to do is get an agent to want to read more. And a query doesn't have to be perfect in order to do that. That is so true. It's not like book jacket copy is perfect, but still we will stand there in Barnes and Noble and be like, you know what? That's interesting. Yeah. I think, you know, I think it's a good thing to keep in mind because I think I know how difficult query writing is because I have to write pitch letters, which aren't totally the same thing, but are pretty close. And I think anytime you have to write promotionally, you have to kind of take a step back and be objective about this thing that you've created. In the case of a writer, you know, you've created this, this work and it's intimate for you. And to have to step back and write about it in a more objective way is really complicated. And I know that it stresses a lot of writers out. Um, but it doesn't have to be perfect. It does have to be professional and it does have to spark someone's interest, you know? So I I do think it's wise to put work into it and research how to write one properly. But at the end of the day, my clients that I've signed, I have signed them based on the strength of their work and not on their query letter. In fact, I have, you know, a client who I love, whose project is brilliant, whose query was one of those ones where I started. And I was like, I'll take a look at this later. There's something interesting about it. But it wasn't like I saw the query and I was like, I know this is the most amazing thing I've ever read. I just knew that there was enough there that I wanted to see more. And once I saw more, what I saw was incredible. And so I signed that person. So yeah. 
I am so happy you talked about the star folder because I absolutely do that too. I in my, in my version, it's like I mark it as unread and I come back to it. But sometimes you just don't know and you want to make sure that you're not just like having a bad day slash mad at that genre that day. Yes, that really happens. I've kind of joked about that before, but it's really true. Like sometimes I'm in the mood for a certain type of thing and it's not whatever this query is, but I can recognize something about that query is worth looking at on a different day when I'm not feeling so contrary. Yes, absolutely. Just listening to the two of you guys, I just come back to the, you know, the whole notion that it's really not personal. No. You know, that it's just, it's just the work in front of you in the moment and it and how you take it in and how you process it and where you are. And I feel like if you know that as a writer, it just makes it less stressful. Mm-hmm. That said, I don't want anyone to panic like, oh no, what if she reads my book on a bad day? Like if I'm having a bad day, I will know that I'm having a bad day. And then if it's something questionable, yes. um, I will just put it into that folder to look at it. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. If I know that I'm not in the frame of mind to read queries, then I don't read queries. There's tons of other work that I could be doing on a given day that doesn't require me to be in that headspace. So yeah, you know, I think most agents are really self-aware about things like that and um, are able to kind of, you know, find a workflow that works for us. So yeah, do not panic. Um, And Julie, I agree. It's definitely not personal. And I know that's hard, right? Because for writers, it's so personal. This You've put all of your work into this. And so I understand um, how it feels personal. But on this side of the inbox, you know, looking at these queries, it's not coming from a personal place. It's not that I think that your writing is bad or poor or that your story idea is terrible or that you're a horrible writer. It's just we have to make these decisions based on the information in front of us. And that information is limited and incomplete. Um, And so much of this is about, you know, personal taste. Like there are plenty of projects that I'm sure are great in my inbox, but they're just not great for me. I'm not the right person, but that doesn't mean that someone else won't be. Kelly, I'm scared actually of how many query letters you're going to get after this, um, podcast because I just want to listen to you. I want you to I'm like, you could be like a writing um, therapist. <laughs> I was like, I feel so good. I feel so good. Like th- this is awesome for me. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm so glad. One thing you should know is that you can in fact book time with Kelly to go over your query letter and hear her soothing voice and end up feeling so much better about your work. Just head on over to manuscriptacademy.com slash 10 T E N. And you can find both live meetings and written critiques. Other than that, Kelly, where can we find you online? You can find me online on Twitter at bookish chick. Uh, and you can find me on my website, penandparsley.com, uh, and also on the Red Sofa Literary website. Uh, so my submission guidelines and things like that are on both my personal site and the Red Sofa site. Um, and I talk on Twitter pretty much incessantly, like all of us in this industry seem to do. I'm also the co-host of the Publishing Crawl podcast, which has been on hiatus for a while, but we're coming back. I'm very excited. Um, So if you like the sound of my voice and you like hearing me talk about how writers should not panic, um, then you can hear me do that uh, pretty regularly over at publishingcrawl.com. Kelly, thank you so much. This was great. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you guys so much. All right. Bye. We are so glad that you joined us. And as always, we appreciate your feedback. 
just head on over to the iTunes store and let us know what you think. It not only helps us make this podcast be the best it can be, but it also affects our ratings within the iTunes platform. We'd love to hear from you. If you're feeling brave and want to submit your page for our first pages podcast, you can send it to academy at manuscriptwishlist.com with first pages podcast in the subject line. We'd also just love to hear from you. And if you'd like to learn more about the Manuscript Academy and everything we have to offer, just jump on over to manuscriptacademy.com.